Good evening to all the AM people with a loud bang. Hello. This is how we do it in the evening service. Oh, but how great it is for us to be together as one family. And so I'm just thankful for whoever brought the KFC as one of the snacks. Thank you. God bless you. Streetwise too. That was wonderful. And that milk turkeys, I don't know if it was from Woolies, but also lovely. Friends, it is good for us to be together. We are stronger together. And so, uh, my name is Halgaard. I'm married to Vilma. That's my wife. It's been a bit more than a year for us. It's been incredible. But we've been part of our Every Nation Tswane context for almost eight years. We had the privilege of planting with our Hatfield congregation back in 2016 from Linwood. And then from there on, we had the privilege of joining this side of Merge, as you want to call it, with the Willows. And I remember just a prophetic call God gave our Hatfield church back then to say that we will be a sending church, we'll be a generous people. And when I hear the prophetic call that God has, ha- has given over our Willows congregation, I just see how this is a marriage God has made in heaven for us. And so we're stronger together to say, God, we're taking up the call that we will be a sending church. We'll be a port where there was this image of boats coming in, being fixed, being made whole and sent out into the world. And so for me, for us, it's a privilege to be part of that. Friends, we are continuing with our sermon series on encounters with God. If you've missed the past few weeks, it's been really just awesome looking at encounters that certain Bible characters had with God and the doctrines we can take from that, the teachings and the applications. And so for us tonight, we're continuing and we're looking at the encounter God had with Isaiah. So will you turn with me to Isaiah 6 in your Bibles, if you have it here. Otherwise, we're going to just have it up on the screen. So we're going to read there from verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
And I said, here am I, send me. He said, go and tell these people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever perceiving but never, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Let's pray. Father, it's a privilege for us to be gathering as a family, worshipping you. Oh, holy God, won't you come and meet us tonight? Holy Spirit, may you open the scripture to our hearts, that we might hear what you want to say. Lord, may you speak through me, my words, just be surrendered to yours. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So friends, this is an incredible passage, incredible meeting here which we see in Isaiah 6. And so I really wondered why God only met with Isaiah in chapter 6 when there's already been five chapters before that. But it was just like an introduction that Isaiah gave. It was starting off with this great introduction, friends, judgment of God is coming and he's emphasizing that. And on the other side he said, but there is hope. And then after this big soliloquy that he gives, he says, let me, let me just verify this to you. In the year of king, that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. So this was a message that Isaiah gave to the people of Judah in that time. It's a message of the Lord. And so just a background to the context of this people. Why would they need a message from God of judgment but of a hope. And so we see that there was the Syrian Empire close to this empire of the Judeans, so Judah. And so that was just after the split of the 12 tribes of Israel. So we had the northern kingdom called Israel and the bottom kingdom called Judah. And so there was this time where God's people were divided. And the Israelites were a few years, I want to say, ahead in their destruction than those of Judah. And so Isaiah was seeing what was happening with the Israelites. And at the opportune time, God calls Isaiah to warn his people of what can happen to them. And so we see in this time, there is what we see, it's idol worship. There's oppression of the marginalized and of the poor for personal gain. We see people doing business that is fundamentally against God's law. We see corruption. We see corrupt leaders. Where in the world have you seen that before? (laughs) Isaiah clearly saw that lip service of the people led to self-serving social ethics. Just think of that. When we offer lip service to God, when we offer just religious acts to God, it's actually self-serving social ethics we try and put in place. No, God, I'll come to church, but there's something I require of you. Lord, we're going to, into exam season, so I will go to discipleship group. There's almost this lip service, we're just doing something. Lord, I will go to church because my kids need to learn about you. God, I'll go to church because my parents go to church. Almost religious acts 
And God calls Isaiah to come and deliver a message to this people. And so we see three main things from this text that I'd love you to remember. And so that's not some interesting Chinese, it's actually English. It's, it's wow, wow, and then there's whoa, and then there's who. And if you try and say it really fast, wow, wow, we, that's, it doesn't work. And so let's jump into it tonight. Isaiah 6 verse 1 to 4. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on the throne. So we can ask the question, who was King Isaiah? What was happening in the year King Isaiah died? King Isaiah, he was the successful king. He was reigning for 52 years. And during that time, he defeated two great empires. It was the Arabs and the Philistines. And so they were conquering these nations, trying to oppress them because he was faithful to God. 51 almost years, he was faithful towards God. But then he tried and assumed the privileges of a priest, trying to burn incense on the altar, and God struck him with leprosy. He was unfaithful. And so because of that, the whole nation was lacking in the way that the Syrians have started to oppress this people of Judah. So just think, maybe the question is for you. If you are unfaithful, what's the effect on those around you? But if you are faithful... Oh, what would be the effect be on those around you? Not that we're all kings, but we're all children of the Most High God. And so what was happening in the year King Isaiah died? This people were starting to feel those pressures from outside. And they were trying to make treaties with the Assyrian Empire to gain confidence to say, okay, you're enemies, but let's make a pact that should something go wrong, you would not come for us. Where in the world have you seen this before? I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Friends, have you seen the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne? And the train of his robe filling the temple. See, I, I really enjoy hiking. I like going out, seeing new things. And it's almost my birthday. My wish list is a hiking bag. Um, so I don't know why, but there's something like almost, Linda, you can correct me if I'm wrong, 70% of all hiking routes goes to a waterfall and back. It's like you go and you see, wow, this waterfall. Am I right, Linda? 60%, okay. But there's something that a waterfall, it's just incredible to me. To see just like that water, it's like, and you can go stand under it and you swim in that pool and it's like this hard raindrops on you and you're just like, wow. It's just like, wow. Right? Is it just me? I am weird, it's okay. But 
A few weeks back, my wife and I had the privilege of visiting the Victoria Falls. Wow! So this is a picture my wife took. Wow! And so you can see there's like a double rainbow on the first photo. Like when you have your first glance at the waterfall, you see this double rainbow in this gorge. It's incredible. And you're standing next to one another and you're just like, wow. And then you walk on to the side and you go look there and it's nice. But then you come around this side and that's where the falls come down and they fall down. Brings up mist and the mist falls down. It's like it's raining. And you go like, wow. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Wow. Wow. Friends, I want you to take a moment to think about this. Because we can stop here tonight and actually miss what God has shown us from the start. In the beginning, God. He is seated on the throne, high and exalted. Leaders will come and leaders will go, but our king reigns and rules forever. We might experience oppression in this time. We might experience bad leadership. We might experience good leadership. Our king sitting enthroned forever. thinking of the, tr the train of his robe. I remember on our wedding day, Wilma had a very nice dress. The train of her dress, <laughs> the train of her dress was maybe a meter and a half too, if I'm correct. And I remember I just wanted to hold on to the train of her dress. There's actually a photo of me just holding on. I'm not emotional. <laughs> thinking of the train of God's robe, filling the temple. Just think of this room. It's only God's train of his robe filling this room. Even much bigger than that. We don't even have a picture of the temple in heaven. How majestic is our king? How wonderful, how set apart is our king? That is he's good in revealing even the train of his robe to us. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so we see here seraphim. It's fiery angels. It's the translation. Fiery angels standing above God's throne covering their eyes, covering their feet, and almost want to say in the attitude of service, ready for God to send them where he thought, thinks best to send them. But have you ever thought about this? Does an angel, does angel have sin that he should cover his eyes not to look at God? Is an angel not made in God's image in his presence that he should not have to cover up his body not to be seen by God? Or do we don't, don't we understand the holiness of God? 
to think that even angels would cover up themselves not to view face to face to God because they would burn up. Oh, what chances do we have to stand before a holy king? And so we have to ask the question, what does it mean to be holy? As they're calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty whose glory is over the whole earth. We sang that just earlier. What does it mean? For God to be holy means that He is set apart, totally separate, pure. There's the Hebrew word kadosh, separate, pure, to be set apart. And this is just a beautiful picture that we later see in Revelation 4 again, where John sees the angels before God's throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Day and night they cry out, holy, holy, holy. I was asking the question, why would angels call out to one another the holiness of God? Why would angels, is there something they can benefit from it? Is there something that would happen because of it? Nana was thinking, what would happen if we were to call out God's holiness to one another? Here is our set-apart God, our separate God, our pure God. Here is the everlasting King, the one that no one can compare to, the Lord of hosts, the Almighty Father. Day and night, the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. Because of how majestic and wonderful and glorious our King is. Yet we struggle to find five minutes a day for this. There's a beautiful saying from R.C. Sproul in his book, The Holiness of God. It says, only once in sacred scripture is an attribute of God elevated to the third degree. Only once is a characteristic of God mentioned three times in succession. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. Not that He is merely holy or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. But it does say that he is holy, 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 and that the whole earth is full of his glory. And so God's holiness is emphasized as no other quality of his. And so it is obvious of utmost importance to us. So what then does it mean that God is holy? It means two things. It says that he is morally perfect, and that he is absolutely unique. Let me try and explain morally perfect to you. During the week, my brother invited me to join him in playing some squash. And he doesn't know that I've been practicing in the background with a friend that's actually type of a coach to me. And he says, do you want to go play squash? And I said, yeah, let's go play squash. <laughs> I haven't played squash in a while. And when we got to that meeting, yeah, it doesn't matter the score, but it's lovely to beat your brother 6-3 in a set. <laughs> That was morally not perfect. I had a hidden agenda totally to that. Oh, but if God 
is morally perfect. There's no hidden agenda. How wonderful it is that our king doesn't have a hidden agenda with us or his plan for us. It's beautiful to see in scripture this just re-emphasized Psalm 1968. It says, you are good and you do good. Habakkuk 1 verse 13, your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Luke 18 verse 19, it says, no one is good but God alone. And 1 John 1 5 says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And then also he is set apart from all others. He is absolutely unique. Exodus 15, we see Moses say, Who is like thee among the gods, O Lord? Who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Isaiah 40, To whom then would you liken me, that I should be his equal? Can you think how you would respond when you see God face to face? Can you think how you would respond if you just saw the train of his robe? We get to that, what Isaiah did later, and there's a call for us. But there's something we need to stop at, and that's something that we might just have fallen away with, where it says, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now this was a, maybe in the vision you'd see, and it's the glory of God coming. But I'm asking the question, what foundations, what false ideologies, what false beliefs will shake in our society if we were to call the holiness of God to one another? if we were to call the righteousness of God, who He is, what He has done in this society, what strongholds would fall down? What light would we see come? Wow. We have a holy God that's set apart, morally perfect, absolutely unique. And then we get to the response from Isaiah. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Woe to me. What does that even mean? Woe to me. It says, I am undone. It's a legal charge to say, I am ruined. Consider me legally ruined. Consider me dead. But then the Hebrew word we also have there is damar, meaning to be dumb, to be silent. So here Isaiah says, I am ruined, I am dead, I am speechless. And it's so interesting to me how he goes on, he's saying, I am a man of unclean lips. He acknowledges his own sin. I, I know I'm a man of unclean lips. And I'm of a people of unclean lips. And so sometimes we think, 
Yes, I'll, I can stand up for my own sin. Yes, Lord, I can know I, I'm a sinner. Can we stand in the gap for our nation's sin before God, saying, God, I'm of our unclean people? Oh, Lord, woe to me because of the people of my nation. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And so we see just this picture, one of the seraphim taking tongues from the altar, takes a live coal, flies to Isaiah, touches his lips with a coal, and pronounces him guilt-free, sin-free. The seraphim were in the service of the Almighty God, above his throne. No seraphim would have gone to Isaiah on its own without being sent by God to him. So we see a seraphim being sent by God with a sacrifice, a call from the altar where it was sacrificed to man to atone for his sin and his guilt. Then God sends something from heaven. Doesn't this sound familiar? Friends, our holy God, not just in the time of Isaiah, but in the time of his beloved children, that's us, and that 2,000 years before us, God sent someone from heaven, not just someone, his only son, as a sacrifice, offering that to his children, to man. Say, here, atone for your sin and for your guilt. Accept this free gift I'm offering you. It's just beautiful how Isaiah is referencing already to that. Friends, have you received that gift from God? Have you been trying to go from this side and saying, okay, God, I'm working for that. I'm going to get to that forgiveness that I might get if I go to church every Sunday. You know, God, if, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pray even more. I'm going to... Friends, we see a holy God. We see a sinful man unable to bridge that gap on its own. It can only be from God's side that he intervenes, that he might accept what he has done, that that, bridge, that gap is bridged. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God is asking Isaiah, Who? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. I want to ask you the question How are you responding to God currently? How are you responding to God currently? If you've been a Christian for more than a week, you've probably had this experience where there was 
God offering the gift of salvation and you've accepted that. He doesn't say, first go into 20 years of training before I start to use you. He doesn't say, first, you know what, um, there's this whole list I want you to do and then we'll see if you qualify. <laughs> How incredible is this? Isaiah's guilt and sin is taken away by this call touching his lips. And in an instant, he hears God's voice. Whom shall I send who will go for us? You oh, see, I love this progression from the story of Isaiah. First, he saw the Lord. Then he experienced the angels' worship of God and service to God. Then it comes to his heart and he touches, woe to me. For I am of unclean lips, and the people of my nations of unclean lips. But then he hears God's voice. We can say Isaiah had an encounter with God. So, how do we get to this place where Isaiah's heart says, Here I am, Lord, send me? I want to propose that Isaiah, I think Isaiah had a heart. And maybe you just want to check tonight for your pulse if you also have a heart. What created this kind of heart in Isaiah? First, he had a heart that had been in the presence of God. He had a heart that knew its own sinfulness. He had a heart that knew the need among the people. The need for God's word. He had a heart that had been touched by God's cleansing fire. And he had a heart that heard God's heart to reach the nations. Friends, is your heart still beating tonight? Do you have a heart that's been in the presence of God? And maybe at this point saying, yeah, okay, God, that's good. Isaiah was this massive prophet in that time, you know, who will go for us? Who will we send? Lord, we know. We'll send Jonathan. We'll send Harry. We'll send John. We'll send Hank. We'll send Nati and Elisma. We'll send you our powerhouses. It's easy to think that way. It was, it was for the prophets. It was for the professional Christians. There were a thousand Christians. God is asking tonight, whom shall I send? It's not a new message. He's been saying that from the start. He actually sent Adam into the world. Go, be fruitful and multiply. Oh, he goes on. We see the whole Old Testament. He comes, Jesus comes in, in man. And he says to normal guys, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, fishermen, come follow me. And I will send you out to go and fish for people. He goes on. At the time of imparting into the disciples. He says now go and make disciples of all nations. Not just of this nation. Oh but the beauty. Is that we've got the power of God with us. There's a promise that says, I am with you always to the very end of age. This holy God 
enthroned forever, exalted above all, promises to be with us as we carry His heart and His mission that He first had for us, but He still has for all those that still don't know Him. And so, I want to talk to you that's an engineer, to you that's a lawyer, you that's an accountant, you that is retired, you that's still studying, you that is still in school, you that hasn't even gone to school yet. There's a holy God. There's a heart for you that has sent an atoning sacrifice so that you might receive Him. He's asking you tonight, can I send you? Will you go for us? Will you go for us? In every sphere of life, there I want to establish my kingdom, I want to show my goodness. Will you, will you co-mission with me? Will you co-labor with me? I want to maybe share this just awesome few weeks that, that I've experienced just by saying, yes, God, I want to partner with you. And I've got my friend here today, Vince. I'm not going to get emotional. So I started the job in January, a new job. And I'm thankful for a wife that prayed, Lord, may this be a job we as a place we can minister, we can be involved in people's lives. God is faithful. And so a few weeks back, I went to the factory and just picking up some products, and we were just conversing, just having good conversation. And just God opened the door to have just a godly conversation. I got to invite Vince to church. God spoke to him, the church changed just some core beliefs of his heart. And I could see just a turn in his heart, God igniting a fire in him. And so what do we do? We do discipleship. So we started the connect group that Friday. We're sitting in Vince's um, apartment, and we were going through the basics. We said, we'll follow Jesus, we'll fish for the lost, we'll fellowship with believers. And so as we do, we said, we're not going to continue this connect, this discipleship group, if you don't share it with someone else first. But you have to be a chapter ahead. Right, Vince? Shop. <laughs> so, that Sunday we met up again. This was not the Friday, the Sunday. The Saturday he shows me a picture. Him and his father-in-law doing Connect together. Yeah. You think that's the end? No. <laughs> uh, 
And so Sunday we had a great time also just at the service together. We had great conversations in the car and we trusted and said we're going to buy some more connect books. We're going to trust for more people. And the Monday I go and collect some more shoes. Yeah, Vince is sitting with the whole factory and they're doing connect together. <laughs> and oh, there's been so much things that that I've just seen, I've just been ignited by what God has done in and through his life. And say, God, won't you send us where we are, whether that's at work, whether that's at school, whether it's in our families, Lord, send us. Let's be faithful in saying, Lord, holy God, you want to make yourself known to a people. Lord, we're willing to be co-laborers with you as you just show your love to this world. And so how do we apply this in our lives? How do we sum this up? Let's say four things. We worship God. We worship God. We serve Him. We love Him. We worship God. The Holy God. The one who is separate above all. We spend time with our God. Then we operate from the truth of the gospel. We acknowledge our sinfulness. We acknowledge that there's a king that has breached that gap for us and that we are no longer sinners, but that we are holy, chosen and royal children of our king. Then we co-labor with God's heart. His heart for the lost. And then we go where God is sending us. And so where is God sending you? Oh my, can I ask you to join me just... Friends, I don't know where you are tonight. Maybe you've forgotten that God is the one enthroned. Maybe it's just when you look around and you see the things of this world, it just doesn't seem like God is enthroned. It just doesn't seem like that. But we remember that He is holy. He's morally perfect. So His heart is perfect. And I don't know if you've experience just the pain of this world the sin just of other people or your own do you know that there's a God just one who restores that in your life offers this free gift of redemption to you and maybe you've, you've had that experience and you're just ready to say God here I am send me here I am send me God I want to pray wherever you are whatever is relevant to you tonight first of all if you just tonight want to accept that gift of God to say God I realize you are a holy God and I am not woe to me for I am sinful man Lord but I want to receive the offering that you give for my sin and my guilt if there's anyone that just wants to pray that prayer tonight, I'd love to pray it with you. And I said, you just raise your hand that we can pray. If that is you. I see those hands. I'm going to ask that you just pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, 
just accept what you have done for me on the cross. Holy Father, I realize how sinful I am. But I realize the good gift you have sent is here for me to accept. Lord, thank you that your promises that if we declare that you are Lord and believe that God raised you, Jesus, from the dead, we will be saved. So we thank you for our salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. And tonight, if you just want to say, God, where I am, won't you send me won't you use me? Whether I'm an accountant, whether I'm a doctor, whether I'm without work, whether I'm studying, whether I'm at school, oh Lord, me, use me. I ask that you also raise your hand. Can I ask that you look to your left and right and see whose hands are raised? Can we stand in the gap for a nation's sin? Can we stand in the gap for a people that don't know God yet? Can we see our brothers and our sisters, our friends and family sit on these chairs with no God wherever they are? Yes, let's pray. God, thank you that you commission with us. Lord, thank you that you have a heart for people, for your people. We thank you that we are included in the promises that you make, that you are with us forever, till the very end of age. Thank you that you include us, Lord, when you think of nations and of people that are yet to be reached. Thank you, Lord, that we might have the vision of heaven where every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people will be before your throne worshiping you, saying salvation has come to our King. Lord, we want to see familiar faces there. Lord, may you send us into a lost world. Thank you that your Holy Spirit goes before us, that we might have the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses, Lord. You do not leave us alone, Lord. Well, Lord, I pray that you would give us a vision of the sphere we are in, Lord. Whether I'm at work, whether I'm at school, Lord, that I would see those around me the way you see them. I would see opportunities around the coffee station as you see them, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. All of God's people says, Amen. Amen. Thank you.